Comes to Ferreira, making the run hard down the side. So that's Bronco Hara, who's all the way out there. Hara for Ferreira, finds Ariola, and he roofs it to tie the game. First Dallas player to do so since Jeff Cunningham in 2009. Franco Hara here coming in. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Big D After Dark. We're so glad that you have decided to listen in to join us on this gorgeous evening, this Monday evening, June 13th edition of the After Dark podcast, where we talk about FC Dallas, North Texas SC, maybe a little United States men's national team, and a lot of other things, whatever comes to mind. And we take your comments and questions live. Send them in on Facebook, on YouTube, in the in the chat, and we will see them. We'll include them in the show. We'll pop them up here, at, and you'll shape our show. And, of course, you can also listen in on our podcast, our audio version, wherever you like to find podcasts. We should be there. I'm the host here, Nathan Hill, at Nathan J. Hill. There in the middle is Ishmael at Belcora Ishma. And hey. there on the end is our buddy Jose at El Chico Carmona. Hello. Hey, hey. All right, good. Jose got in ju- just as we were getting the show started. Just in the time. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. It's better late than never, or right on time, actually, in this case. But we're, <laughs> we're glad to have you all join us. Please share the show. You can share it on YouTube, on Facebook, share it on Twitter. Uh, we, we love to welcome new folks uh, and, and, and take your comments and questions live. We're going to get started with United States men's national team before we get to North Texas uh, which was an interesting interesting weekend for North Texas. Um, an interesting match for that team to sort of have to fight through. But let's start with the big news. Four goals for Jesus Ferreira. America's striker, right? America's striker, ladies and gentlemen. And Paul Ariola with a goal. So I, let's just talk about that game. It was against Granada in the Nations League. I know Granada's not a world beater. But it, it was a nice performance after, you know, some, uh, you know, some tougher opponents and friendlies in the past week. Uh, let's just talk about what we saw from the match. Was this something, Ishmael, that uh, Jesus can 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 build upon, and, and Paul can build upon, as they stake their claim for a World Cup roster spot? I mean, this is something that I think not only Jesus can build upon. He needs to build upon, because I mean, yeah, going on USMNT Twitter, yeah, of course you get the the Twitter insults that keep talking about how this is just Granada. He hasn't proven anything. He can't score against big teams. Yada yada. I mean, there's some truth to it, but I mean, again, he's the only one who's scoring. He's the only one who's playing. He's the only one who's consistent with the club. So. But even with the Uruguay game, he's going to start in the next international window that happens. I think it's September. Um, that is really, like, it's reported that the games are against Saudi Arabia and South Korea, if I'm not mistaken, or Japan. Um, Japan, yeah. Th- yeah, Japan. Those are the games that I think he needs to score. In because by September, you're going to have the strikers in Europe starting to play 
hopefully, like hopefully we hope players like Pepe and DK and Sargent are playing well. And if they are, then at that point, Jesus has competition. That is just the reality of it. And he will he is right now the first choice striker. But stuff can still change. So I think off of this, the main thing is to continue his form for FC Dallas. Because I mean he was red hot. Well not red hot. It was pretty hot. Um, entering the uh, international window, he now has, he now has four goals and a very good performance. The key is now to keep going because he has um, a couple of games until the next window. He has well, like 10, the, 10 or 12. Th- these are the games that he needs to continue playing at the level that he is, and hopefully he is the hero at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Jose, your thoughts on Jesus' performance? I'm very happy. I mean, I'd rather he get criticized for scoring four goals than for not scoring at least four goals. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, he had, what, like seven shots or something like that on goal. And some people, for some reason, apparently strikers can't miss, so he should have made every single one of them. Right. So right. some of the arguments are just ridiculous. Uh, uh, the Luca Dilatori is the MVP. You can't be the the MVP of a match if you don't score a single goal. I'm sorry. At the end of the day, scoring a goal is what wins you the match. So I don't get that argument whatsoever. The kid looked great. Uh, give him, you know, workman of the match or, or you know, standout performance, whatever you want to call it. But it's not. It's not. Anyway, you got to have fun. You got to laugh at some of the Twitter arguments. You got. You want to see scoring. At the end of the day, is against this kind of opposition. I would be concerned if he didn't score at all. That I would say, okay. You know, we need to worry. But we've seen this before from Jesus. He just needs the confidence to show that he. You know, once 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 a goal goes in and the floodgates open. And I mean, you should—they should be excited about this, you know. Honestly, at least an American striker scoring—it's a start. That's Bill on, right? You know, our buddy Ben Funch says, "Is is Jesus getting a reputation as a streaky goal scorer? Seems to score in bunches or not at all?" But you know, the more I watch soccer, the more I realize that you know, scoring goals is is about confidence, as you say, Jose. Like it's. It, you know, it, it is streaky for every guy, it, every player, even the best of the best. It's about, you know, your surrounding pieces for sure. It's about your opponent. It's about the opportunities you're given. But it's so much about confidence and mental state and things like that. So uh, if Jesus, you know, uh, yeah, that, that fits Jesus. I think it fits most goal scorers. I, I don't know. I, I don't know why the U.S. Uh, men's national team fans and Twitter especially expect, like, superstars out there like like a player's yeah. got to do it all you know and i think i think the main thing is that the u.s more than a lot of teams that are going to the world cup is really a collective team because no one out there really even if you consider pulisic to be world class none of the team has none of the players has the team rotating around their play. It's always a collective where we score together, we defend together, we pass the ball together, we develop play together. It's that that's the kind of mindset that Burr Halter has 
in this team, and we see it with Nico. It's like when you compare it with other teams um, at the level of the World Cup, specifically a team like Poland, where the team ro- rotates specifically around like a Lewandowski, then of course a player like him will probably score once or twice a game in the pl- teams that they're playing. But with the U.S., it's a collective. So if the collective doesn't work like it didn't against Uruguay, then Jesus will not score. And I don't right. think DK would score right. or Pepe would score. Any any of them would score. So, I mean, I think the streaky concept made sense like last year or the year before when he wasn't performing for club. But he's performing for club now. So here, like, we can see that his talent exists. Um, he can be consistent. He right now is having the time of his life um, with the DP status and riding on this high. So it's not he's not having a confidence issue. It's just against a team like Uruguay, it was a collective effort. Against Morocco, his runs re- helped some of those goals go in. His his movement in the box, it's that's how the US plays. So I mean, he doesn't score against Uruguay when we play garbage. It's not his fault. And if that's what fans have gotten to at this point, then that's not great. That's not a great mindset to think in. Yeah, to criticize a guy. Oh, this is the best goal right here. I mean, that corner, uh, that's just beautiful. I wish he could do that with, with, with yeah. Dallas. I mean, yeah. it's a little harder to do maybe with uh, against the competition. Um, but... <laughs> a little bit more quality competition amount. I'll give the critics that, that, um, yeah, Granada is not the highest competition that U.S. is going to face this year. But on the other hand, you build confidence as a team. You take these minutes. You take your chances. It, it's hard to complain against that, right? And especially a classy goal like that um, from an assist from Kellen Acosta, might I add. Right, Jose? Yeah, you know, I, I just – People forget how young this team is as a whole. I mean, there's some players out there that would be that still qualify for the Olympics. You know, <laughs> that would that would be on the Olympian t- Olympic team right now. And and these are your top players. So it's I I just you just gotta sort of tune out U.S. men's Twitter because it's it's I don't want to use a bad word just to say some of their expectations are way above what this team is known to perform, uh, you know, historically, you know, we're not, we're not a world power. And, and, and honestly, those are the expectations being placed on these guys. It's like, okay, we have to be able to go toe to toe with, with, uh, the top, you know, four teams in the world. And that's like the level of play they're expected from these players. These players are still young. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, a 21, 22-year-old goes out there and has a bad game and people start screaming, I don't ever want to see that guy again in this team. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, you know, like, the guy's still improving. So I just say it. It's, I, I was happy to see the team win. Uh, they covered the spread. It was a five-goal spread, by the way, so they actually performed as expected, believe it or not. And, and seeing, you know, FC Dallas players front and center – I mean, you gotta love it. You gotta love yep. it, and you and got uh, to love it. And yeah. at the end of the day, you know, the same 
people that are complaining about Pepe not scoring in Europe are the same people that were crying that he should go to Europe. So you're never going to satisfy anybody. Uh, I I think this team could do like a miraculous run and win the World Cup, and people would still be complaining. They would oh, find boy. something to complain about. You know, you yeah. would not have. I, I I have a feeling that U.S. Twitter would then suddenly start finding something else to complain about, like we should have done it four years ago or something like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying so. You got to enjoy these games. I got to love this game. I hope that this carries over into the next game tomorrow. That's what you want. You yeah. want to build a little momentum. Even even if you think it's a minnow, that momentum's got to start somewhere. So, you know, you got to go out there and crush the teams you're supposed to crush and build on that. And this this team is building confidence. They're building, you know, familiarity with this, with, with every performance. And, uh, I, you know, I agree. I mean, it's it's about building a sense of of uh, a purpose ahead of this World Cup, giving a lot of guys minutes, a lot of guys looks. I mean, Burhalter is going to have a tough tough choices to make. I think come the fall, I mean, most national teams I think will have that luxury, have that challenge of of uh, trying to figure out who to call up and who to lead back, and um, it, it's never a science. It's always based on guys' forms and things like that. So you'd like to see guys, you'd rather see guys perform than not. You put up some goals and four goals for Jesus. It's just, it's it's crazy that people would, would complain that he didn't score eight or something. Just, it's just ridiculous. Like, it's not a video game, you know? It's just not a video game. It's it's life. It's complicated. It's, 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 it's messy. People are tired. People have issues to deal with. Uh, but uh, but yeah, there's a, here's his fourth goal. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, we'll leave it there with the, with the highlights, extended highlights. But so uh, yeah, on the other hand, uh, away games in Concacaf are kind of messy, a tough, difficult El Salvador. Never a fun place to play. Uh, so I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think it'll be another chance for this team to figure out who they are, figure out their identity. And gain some experience together in a tough environment, right? I mean, I don't... Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, let's shift our uh, focus to North Texas SC before we close out with FC Dallas tonight on the show. Ben, we thank you for the comment. Tommy, sorry you couldn't make it, but glad you could listen in. Uh, let's talk about North Texas SC. North Texas played the 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 winless team in. MLS Next Pro, Timbers 2, this past weekend. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be a bit of a nervy game. I didn't pull up the highlights, uh, but a bit of a nervy game. A 2-1 win. Timbers were able to pull one back, and then the game in the in the second half got a bit, bit, bit nervy. Timbers certainly made a game of it. Credit to them for pushing this young North Texas team. But, but at the end of the day, North Texas came out with the win. It may not have been perfect. Uh, probably the, the worst scenario out of it was that Hope uh, went off with an injury. haven't heard yet if that's a serious thing. Um, that could be a, a really tough thing if, if he's out for a while. He's such a, such a spark for this team. So let's just talk about that match. Ishmael, uh, Jose, uh, thoughts on North Texas's 2-1 to win at home against Timbers 2. I mean, 
should have been three one. That's the main thing. That's number one. Uh, yeah, that that really, third goal was offside somehow. Somehow, uh, the yeah. offside rule was rewritten at that point. I think so. We've kind of expected North Texas to just, with a lot of these easy teams, to just run these teams over. And I mean, when you look at the stats and the numbers. North Texas did. It's. I mean, the scoreline is kind of favorable to Portland. But, I mean, these games will happen where you will control the game where Portland had one chance that was good and they scored it um, because uh, of poor defending and poor, poor control of the space. Um, but North Texas has controlled this game. I think... I think it's disappointing that Mulatto had four shots and only 0.23 expected goals. Like, that's something that you want to improve, um, especially against a team like Portland where they're not very good. But, again, these kinds of games will happen. We're not going to get 3-0, 4-0, week in, week out. Um, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, goal difference is – not as important as points, and we are top of the table like by four points, if I'm not mistaken. So it's it's I, a fine result. I think it's three now because St. Louis had oh, two okay. games this week, so All right. three points back. So they have a game in hand, but yes. uh, but th- so they're three points ahead. So I mean, just go in next week and just try to play as good and. then Finish more chances, I think. That's the main thing. Yeah, and I actually am satisfied with the performance. It's you saw other teams roll out uh, MLS players into their lineups. Uh, uh, looking here at Rapids, I'm looking at you. You started Zardes, you started Brian Acosta, you started Michael Barrios for crying out loud. In a MLS MLS I mean, Next Pro, I mean Colorado match. Rapids. Yeah, Colorado Rapids don't care. They're just like, hey, but, these are training games. Why not? But they're but they're not the only ones. I'm just saying, multiple teams rolled out several players that didn't. You know, you don't want to see at this level. North Texas had a chance to do that. FC Dallas could have sent you know, Cerio or or you know, Roberts or someone like that down, but no. You don't see that from North Texas. North Texas rolled out many of the same players. They rolled out their ninth different backline combination. They still have the best defense in the league despite that, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it was right. a backup goalkeeper out there who's been rock solid, you know, and, and looks like if Carrera gets moved to the senior team permanently, looks like the team will still be in good hands. So, so I think we got – tidy professional performance from this team uh, yes there were nervy moments but at the end of the day you saw that this team was kept its composure it was consistent 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 no matter the lineup and and that's you're starting to see that I like seeing it here in North Texas and then seeing it in FC Dallas when we're playing on the road and stuff like that you're seeing consistency at both a lot to do with the coaching I think you have to go and say, hey, you're not just seeing it on one team. You're seeing it in both teams. So it's a good sign as a whole that the coaches seem to be in sync as far as professionalism and consistent play from their players. 
which is yeah. great. I mean, I still don't think North Texas is the most talented team or, or close to being the most talented team in the league. They're just a well-coached team. Uh, they have excellent coaching, uh, and and that's reflected by the numerous different lineups they come out they come out with and still get winning performances. And that's mm-hmm. what ultimately what you want from a reserve team. You want to see them try stuff and still get victories because of it. So uh, I I love it. I I think we expected a win. We got a win. Was it wasn't as dominant, but Honestly, sure. it was still a win. Sure. And there's something, I mean, I think that's my, you know, up two to, two to one, you know, you, you, you either want want the team to come out in the second half and grab that other goal, that that insurance goal or two, or you, or you want, especially a young team, to learn how to just close out a game, just to hold on, manage the game, limit opportunities because you knew tempers they were going to come out and they were going to throw everything they could and i think credit to them i mean they've not been a very good team this year and so of course in a scenario like this they're going to say hey we have a chance to get a point we have a chance to to do something here and they're going to come out and fight so to see a young team say hey let's focus let's lock things down let's learn how to hold on to this win i mean that's so crucial i mean that's what a good team is you know you don't get to score three four goals every game you, you figure out how to win with two goals to one you know so you, and, you figure and, out how to hold that on right and to build on that another thing you want to commend uh coach uh Ka on is excuse me is that when it got two to one and you're like okay we can get another score you know your teams usually go to the bench and bring in their better players to help close out the show. That's not what happened here. What happened is they went to the bench and they brought in their 18-year-old striker, Torre, that's, you know, this year's Kamango, uh, basically. And they went and got uh, Academy kid, Urzua, who made his debut. And uh, Santi Ferreira got brought in. So these are three young players. And they said, okay, you know what? We're up 2-1. We need to conserve this. We need to preserve this lead. This is a teachable moment. Let's bring in the young players and say, right. okay, right. you're going to go out there and we expect you to close this game out. But we don't care if you're, you know, this is your first game with this team or or, or whatever excuse you can think of. You expect to go out there and perform. And, and North Texas took this opportunity to use it to throw these kids and have them perform. So you, you have to be excited about that, that – the reserves that came in aren't the guys that you expected to come in to lock it down. They were actually the younger kids who are going to learn the get the biggest, you know, learning experience from this. You know, even if it's Timbers, yeah. it's still it's still they had expectations and pressure put on them and they performed. I think and I think the thing is to say I, I'm curious about this, too. And, and uh, you know. Well coached team, right? But also players, I think, who are buying in, who are buying in on the opportunity to play, knowing that there's a pathway to the professional level. But players also buying into a coach's vision and, and being up for it and providing energy and getting excited. Uh, yes, yeah, some of that is from the coach, of course, laying that out, putting that out there. But I, uh, I, I think there's maybe something to this the, the culture of the FC Dallas Academy that says, hey, 
we want players who are going to buy into the vision here. And it may not be exactly what you wanted. You may be put in a position that you're not, you, you wanted to play right back, but here, we're going to put you at center back or whatever. But you say, hey, I, I'm up for this. I'm going to go for this. I'm going to see where it leads. I, I think we see that from these players, that they're they're flying around, they're energetic, they're competing. And, uh, you know, that, that's an exciting thing to see. Uh, yeah. so, oh, go ahead, go yeah. ahead, How's it going, Tommy? <laughs> just to add, I think it's doing fine. Awesome. Go ahead, I'll let you finish. Go ahead. Yeah. I just think it's awesome because another thing that's reflected in that is we had like three new academy players on the bench uh, with Lacing, um, Grim, and Urzua. Urzua actually came in and got 14 yes, minutes. Urzua is one of the more interesting talents coming out of the academy because, again, he's He's kind of like a Corcoran in that mindset, but he's more defensively sound. So I think that's something that would be interesting to see how it develops in the long run because he's a player that I actually think could like follow in Waldeck's footsteps and learn a lot from a player like him. Uh, Waldeck's actually like nine years older than Urzua. Um, and like that's, that's where he can – he has this system now. And like I think – before we always like North Texas had that pathway. It, it existed, but with Ka, it's almost structural and that this pathway is now like primed to let these players move into these positions, learn in these and grow in these games. And like, this is just the beginning for Orzua. Like these 14 minutes, they're going to compound over time. Like Santi Ferreira isn't, a one-off it's that's what should continue so yeah good stuff well let's listen to coach Ka. i asked him so at the beginning of the season i asked him about mls next pro rule changes this league's doing things a little bit different uh if if the game ends in a draw there is an extra point available via penalty kicks and and he was pretty adamant that he was just like i'm not into this I don't know what the, what the kids can learn from this, what these players can learn. I just just play soccer, you know. Let's just play it the way we play, it, you know. And so I I followed up at this point in the season to say, hey, how did you? How do you feel about it now? How do you feel about these things? And and uh, let's listen to his response. The best experience is to be in it, and in the beginning, none of us did it. So when we were in Seattle, and I'll be plain and honest about it. After the 90 minutes, I'm like, okay, we get away with a point. And we felt like, you know, this, this game, we let it go because we could have gotten uh, three points in this game. But then my assistant turned around and he already had a sheet ready for Vicar. My assistant turned around, he had a sheet of who the penalty takers are. And I'm like, and, and I looked at it and I just handed it back to him without even thinking what is happening here because I was like 90 minutes. But then um, you see that, uh, like, uh, that kind of pressure that it does, that kind of adversity, which... And my other assistant, Mitch, uh, Michelle, he turned around and he said, two is better than one. So so, so it kind of turned out good. So we're now in tune with it because does it help the athlete? Yes, because does it put the athletes in a pressure situation where, you know, at times you feel like, we should have gotten all three points. And if you get it in the penalty shootout, you still feel like a win. And if you're not in the game and then you get a tie, you feel like, Phew. You know, we survived that one. So for the mental state and for the adversity for the players, I think it's, I think it's a wonderful thing because when we played Seattle again at our home, we were 1-0 up, get a man sent off, we grind out a tie, you know, but then we lost in the PK, but which was for me a great 
learning point because some of our shooters, you know, it was a great moment being playing 30 minutes in 110 degrees to be able to go to shoot out and shoot and see how they felt after you don't talk about it. For me, I, um, I'm not against it, um, you know, because it was new for me. Like I said, that's why I always say you got to be open to new experience and see what it can give you. And after experience it, I mean, until now, like uh, for me, it's, it's just, I just sit and laugh because it's a beautiful thing. It teaches these uh, little kids about facing this adversity. So that's what we want them to have, you know, not only as players, but as human beings as well, because they're going to get tested through, through their careers and life. So this is great. I, I love Coach Carr. I mean, I'm just, I'm really sold on this guy. And, but his ability to be like, hey, you know, I, I just, I, I didn't get it, but it's kind of a little bonus. Uh, I, mean, I, I just, this, this is one of the gimmicks of MLS, MLS Next Pro. I don't know if they were hoping that this would help market, be like a marketable thing for the league in this first season to get some, play, some fans interested, or to make it feel more excited. I'm not sure that that's a selling point really, but on the other hand, it gives these guys an experience of pressure. And gives teams a, a chance to go out and kind of hey if we if we feel like we gave up a tough goal at the end we can still go out and get another point and feel like we came away with with something special I, I don't know so but I appreciate that Coach Kosh shows sort of his own trajectory of like hey I didn't quite grasp it either and now but like I'm kind of okay with it you know you know what do you think Jose I just I just want to add that that he, Seattle he means Tacoma you know. And and the yeah. funny thing is, I looked up at the standings, and I forgot to realize that Tacoma also played two games. It is actually Tacoma that's two points behind North Texas. Of course, you know they they have played an extra game, but the funny thing is that that extra point that North Texas got at Tacoma that he was talking about is the actual difference. The reason that there's a two point gap because if North Texas doesn't get that point and Tacoma does. They're actually tied with Tacoma for first place right now, even though that Tacoma, even though Tacoma would have the one game in hand. So, so it does it does make a difference in the standings. And you know, if this was a professional league, where you know, uh, let's say a USL League One or something like that, then okay, then I think maybe the 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 PK thing would be a little ridiculous. But you like said this is a reserve league. You want those teachable moments and you can't deny that the pks give that they give teachable moments that you can discuss a game within a game because these kids when they move on and move up into other teams they will at some point find themselves in pk situations that you know amount to something and at least they can say okay you know north texas or Major uh, MLS Next Pro has prepared me for this moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Well, let's sh go ahead and shift to, and, and Tommy, we want to welcome you, of course. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry I'm late, but hey, before we go to FC Dallas, sure. because I was listening in the car, uh, I wanted to just chime in real quick on the USA. Uh, uh, a few years back, not too long ago, we lost to Trinidad Tobago and missed out on the World Cup, and everybody thought that was an easy team. So, I mean, uh, Trinidad Tobago is ranked around 100. Uh, Granada is more like 170. Um, but the point is, is that, you know, we we didn't lose. I, I, I don't put a lot of 
a value in these games as far as wins and losses go, because one, you know, it's not the World Cup; it's just friendlies. They're not trying to win like, like you know, like Trinidad and Tobago was for the World Cup a few years ago. But you got to put value what you see on the field, and, and and you know, when you see that cross that we just talked about from Acosta to Ferreira and that shot on goal, I mean. Whether it's Granada, whoever it was, I don't care who it was. That's a great shot on goal and great play. And you know, where is where is where is the USA today compared to where we were four years ago with Dempsey, or even many many years ago when we had you know Eric Wanalda in, in the group? Where are we? Have we improved? You know, because we had that big movement back when we had the USA had the World Cup back way back when it was '86 or whatever, and it had all that that mission to make U.S. soccer better. Are we there yet? You know, I, I, that's the question I ask, and I don't know the answer. But I will say this, that uh, I think I think the midfield has improved. I think the attacking has improved. I, I think I have questions on the back line of how we're going to do. Like, we might, in this World Cup, I think that we might have a team that can score some goals. Uh, history showed in the, in, the, in the World Cup qualifying that we had some, you know, some slow outings, some slow starts against, you know, some teams in the CONCACAF. But... Um, you know, I, I, you know, I want to think that we're, you know, someone asked me that the other day. Hey, is USA going to do good? They know I, I talk, you know, soccer. And, and they said, well, I don't, I don't like that Pulisic. He's always losing the ball, you know. But uh, I think Pulisic is the best player that we've produced yet to date. Uh, you know, it's questionable about Dempsey. I, I'm not a big Landon Donovan fan. Um, but um, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. But I, I just think that uh, things are moving in the right direction. I think we're doing the right things with, you know, uh, FC Dallas, the, the academy coming in, you know, we might be a failure and everybody's going to be bad on FC Dallas, but I'm not seeing that. Um, so I, well, it remains to be seen, and I don't want to predict whether we're going to win or lose, but I, I got to think that we're heading in the right direction. Um, so that was just my two cents. But, Good. yeah, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining about the goals against Granada. You know, I, I also take it for what it's worth. Right, right. Yeah, and, and I, I just want to add yeah, to that 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 – this team is built around its midfield and its wingers. I mean, that's what's going to win these games. I know we're all griping about our strikers not scoring or complaining about backline issues, but at the end of the day, that midfield and those wingers is what this team is built around, and they're going to determine if this team wins or loses. Uh, and earlier, you had you hit the nail on the head, I thought. I was in the car driving. We went to get snow cones, but you said this team is young, and it is a very young team. So if it's not this year... Wait four years down the road because I'm really big on Aronson and all the new young players that we've added to the mix. And and I, I still believe in Pepe. And I'm going to say it right here. Pepe's not lost on this team. I mean, he's, he didn't play, but I don't think this was the team to go out and win the World Cup. I think this was just about seeing who else can play and giving more coach, more data, you know. Taking that next step, really. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. we failed to make the previous World Cup. We made this World Cup. That's a step. Now let's take it a step further. One yep, step at a time. That's right. And I don't think there's... That's right. I think you're right. This team is young. And even if Pepe doesn't make the next World Cup squad, um, there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time for him to figure it out. There's plenty of time for a lot of these players to figure it out. And, uh, you know, we even got guys like Walker Zimmerman who... Uh, who knows if he can move to Europe at some point, if he'll get that invitation and that possibility. It's just a lot of possibility for growth in this team. So you're right. And well, and, I, and I think you're right, that though, that you, you take it out. The competition matters and the level, but the team won five. <laughs> five nothing. So, hey, 
you know, that's what you expect. And that's what you I'll say expect. The, the biggest difference that I see, the one quick, and it's just kind of my mind, I should have said this earlier. One thing I see different today than I saw a few years ago is that, you know, the last three or four World Cups, we always pull heavily on players playing in Europe. And it's always a makeshift team. You know, they never play together. And then we have World Cup and we're pulling so-and-so from Germany's league and this league. You know, he, he, he can't speak English. He kind of got, a, you know, a few words here. But what I'm seeing now is an American team, if that if it makes a difference, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, we're playing because, you know, it's – and, look, I have no problem with – and I don't want to be mistaken, but, you know, I mean, if you're American, you're American. But the point is, is that when the players that are playing now play mostly in America, uh, you, you know, you care where I'm going at? It's like the heart is there, you're, right? You're saying that in the past we were we were desperate to to find any dual nationals, and so any way to get them through the door, and, you know. And yeah. then, but then you would get a dual national who hasn't really been with the team in the buildup, and all of a sudden they're in the in the World Cup squad, and they didn't have those years like you're seeing now. Even the players that we have in Europe, they've been practicing with the team for several years even while still being in Europe. So correct, that's, correct. that's a big the difference. difference. Yes. Is, yes. The difference is even our European players are getting regular time with the team where before is we'd get a dual national and it was like, you know, okay, you're, you're slotted in, you know, go in and go in and give us. Yeah. Minutes and, that's, and that's the, talent, um, but not the cohesion. That's the, uh, the little difference in games, right? It's the, it's the, the passion, right? I think that, it means a little bit more if you're playing for your country that you're really from, you know, and, and I have, again, there's nothing wrong with being a do natural, but you know, it, you know, I, well, it, I think it's chemistry. I mean, I think it's chemistry. Yeah. It's the late additions, you know, you add a talented player, but if it doesn't matter how talented they are, if they're not used to playing with a the team, then they're never going to be on the same page. And you can see exactly. that the better teams make that a weakness. Yep. Yep. Thank you for giving me that coming back to answer that. Get some input there. Good stuff. Well, let, let's let's shift over to FC Dallas. FC Dallas will get back in action this weekend against Vancouver, welcoming Vancouver to Frisco. But let's start with just a question I asked Nico. A lot of good stuff from the last Nico press conference, uh, media availability. Um, uh, just, uh, a lot of good stuff about I asked him about it, the player care. And uh, we won't show that clip, but uh, he talked about uh, their efforts to make players comfortable in Frisco and in the team, supporting the t supporting the players and the, and their families, and, and that includes uh, the the news that Alan Velasco did return to to Argentina and then came back with his parents and his little brother, and so um, feeling a bit more comfortable. Um, and and also news too that uh, you know there's still ongoing conversations with with our goalkeeper with M Martin Pass about a uh unofficial unofficial that snow cone sounds good <laughs> sorry they're really good it's chocolate <laughs> that's great uh, uh but yeah um but about that on that that acquisition so it sounds good but let's let's listen to nico i asked him about just transfers i said hey what should fans expect this summer and the summer transfer window and let's let's listen to his his answer we we're always uh, looking, we're always alert, we are always like uh, thinking how we, we can improve the team. But also we have to, to see like the, to improve the team, we, we know the standards are high right now. Uh, and, and then to bring someone 
it has to be someone that he gives and helps the team to 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 make that another jam on the quality sides, right? And and help us to perform in a different level. And it's not easy. It's not easy uh, to do. And as you know, there is some restrictions on the budget. Uh, and maybe for us, it's maybe worth it to wait for next season uh, because maybe we have a, a more better budget to um, to bring a, a better quality players. It's something that we have uh, analyzed in details. We don't, also we don't have injuries uh, so far, and then like, touching my desk, my my desk just uh, to keep going uh, uh, with that. Uh, but I, we are always alert with with uh, areas that we can improve. We we need we know we can improve the team always, uh, but it has to be a very specific. I don't I don't think it's gonna be a huge uh, uh, month of of or transfer of summer transfer of movements it will be more specific if in case we feel like we found something that is going to help us to be much better something nice. that that will help the team be much better um and, and yeah i mean i think he was he, it was good for him to like knock on his desk there because Really, FC Dallas has been very fortunate with injuries. You look at a team like Sporting Kansas City, uh, who have been decimated, absolutely decimated. Um, and FC Dallas has been pretty fortunate. We don't know what the rest, the next couple months are going to be like. But uh, with that said, you know we've had a couple of weeks off. You know we're, we're looking toward that July window. Is there a move you would like FC Dallas to make? Ishmael. Yeah, I'm still on the U22 striker. Uh, I mean, maybe they're maybe they're riding out the season at North Texas to see with Mulatto and seeing, and then then making a decision whether or not they need a, a striker to back up or replace Jesus um, once Hara leaves. Um, but I think striker position is really the only one where I have some worry. You could sign uh, some wingers and a center mid, but I think if they're not planning on doing some signings, and that's what uh, Nico sounded like, I think they have confidence in a player like Thomas Roberts. Um, and they probably have them confidence in players like Shun, who we both know are players that are good, but I mean, this, this season and the year or so that they've played and they, they've struggled because of just uh, their inability to stay consistent. So we'll, we'll see. As, uh, so far, yeah, we've gotten lucky with injuries. Or maybe it's not luck. Maybe it's the conditioning coach. Maybe this conditioning coach has been the best conditioning coach we've had. Uh, so, I mean, mainly it's just that U22 striker because, again, if Jesus, Jesus is Currently, the Golden Boots almost halfway through the season, and that's not nothing. That's something teams will be looking at. So, I think signing a U twenty two striker right now would be a good idea to see if you can train him up and if he could get to the level of being a starter next year instead of doing a winter off season signing and just hoping it works. Um, Either DP or U22. So uh, that's all, really. 
Yeah, my, my take from what he said is that you, you're not going to get any Clevy Hill specials this this summer. You know, you're not going to get some random guy that's available on loan just for the sake of getting a look at him, which I think is what he was getting at. Is they're not just going to bring in somebody to take a gamble on. They're looking for quality, and they'll only jump if they get a quality signing that can come in and compete for minutes. Not someone that's going to come in and we don't see him, you know, he only gets some minutes here, some minutes there. And then we wonder what happened, you know, why we bring this guy in at all. And that's, I think that's what he's talking about. He's, he's got his depth almost figured out. He knows, he knows where he needs help at, but I think he's saying, look, I'm not just going to bring anybody, you know, if this guy, if this guy can't give us quality minutes and, and this is going to be, you know, is a, a year away the one why bring him bring him in at all you know let's bring in a guy that 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 is going to if we can find somebody to come in and compete mm-hmm. and give actual minutes to the rest of their starters that's what they're looking for he didn't specify you know he didn't specify positions but i think i think we all would be happy with like like uh ishmael said a striker would make us a lot happier they're tough to find they're very expensive um, so I think that'd be the one we'd like to see, but I'd be okay with another, you know, uh, defensive mid, um, a winger would be on the same thing as a striker. If we bring another winger, it's gotta be a guy that's gotta, you know, be able to give minutes. If he's going to sit behind Shun, uh, or Al Medkahar or some of those guys, then there's no point in bringing them, bringing them in. So... Um, I think, um, honestly, the only other thing I like to see is is we talk about how Pump, uh, Paxton's getting all these minutes and stuff. Farfan is getting a lot of minutes over at left back, and 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 honestly, we either need to see what Parker can offer there behind him, or or bring in another left back that's going to put, you know give him some rest. Because we haven't discussed that the Farfan's one of the other players that is getting a ton of minutes and and and, and is still young. I mean, he's 23, I believe. So it's, you know, that's going to wear him as the season goes on. Yeah. So I was going to say is that the team's been winning. So I mean, who do you want to take out when you want to sign someone, right? I mean, we want to see Velasco develop and get better. And quite honestly, you know, just going back and thinking about the last game that he played, it wasn't very good. Uh, and yeah. he's, you know, yeah. he's showing some signs of immaturity. So he needs to play, but he also needs to grow up, you know, you know be a little bit more but mature. I, Go ahead. Right? What I'm getting at is is you're not going to sign a starter. You need a guy that right. exactly. And, exactly. And, and give you quality minutes. I mean, if you have a, someone like Velasco, and let's say you've already pull, pulled Ariola and you've already got uh, Obreon on the other side, and Velasco is having a bad game or gets a tweak, and you got to pull him. Who's who's your fourth winger? You know that you can conf- right. com- confidently say he's going to come in and impact the, the match. Well, we have yeah, some young so players I, that we think can help, but th- there's not going to be a player like Obreon that can come in and still offer danger of of uh, to an opponent at you know in the last 20 30 minutes of the match. Yeah, the worst thing that can happen to FC Dallas is, is Jesus Ferreira get injured, you know, between Whoa, now and the World Cup. Yeah. Knock on yeah. wood. <laughs> yeah, knock on wood. 
But, uh, yeah, I don't see anyone coming in, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, just like as we saw when we sold Pepe, we all set and kind of opened the doors to new people coming in. So the best thing for FC Dallas is that Jesus in with a good year, have a good World Cup, get sold for a lot of money, and then, you know, basically, you know, go back and spend again. Uh, I guess the question I'd have for Ismail and, and Jose is, like, who's from, from North Texas XC do we see getting called up? Because, you know, is it Parker going to be called up or is it someone else? That can, that's shown that, that maybe they need some minutes, you know, just a, closing minutes to start getting some time in MLS. I think that's what we might see the change come from. Uh, I actually uh, brought up Parker because, believe it or not, when I was watching the Timbers game, I was like, you know, who's that big guy over there with a the ball that's, you know, muscling people around? And then I realized it was Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, he looks, he's starting to look like a man amongst boys at that level. And, and this is mid season, uh, is around the time you want to see some of these North Texas guys that, that are loaned to North Texas be given minutes with the senior team. And I, I think Parker's getting there. I think Parker's getting to the point where it'd be nice to see him get some minutes with, uh, FC Dallas, um, so that's one of the players I would like to see for sure coming up. Uh, uh, no one Bartlett. <laughs> uh, no. Colin Smith, believe it or not, has been playing at winger again. They've been uh, – I think he's – I don't want to say he's been beaten out by Pope, but Pope's been playing uh, exclusively at right back. And Colin Smith still plays there from time to time. But lately they've been playing him at left wing, right wing. And honestly, he'd be an O'Brien type player that, you know, a lot of speed, uh, making dangerous runs, but you're not, you're, you're not going to get that finishing, you know, that, that playmaking ability at the end. But it's a player, he's a player, Colin Smith is a player that could give you that burst of energy against tired legs like O'Brien does. Uh, of course, he'd be a raw, much raw version of that, though. I don't, I don't want to say he's at the same level as Obreon. I'm just saying he's that kind of player, linear speed, uh, uh, you know, to spare. But, you know, once you get to the third, you got to cross your fingers. I, but, I think uh, for FC Dallas fans, the one thing that you got to look at is what happens with Sean. Look, he just went over there. I, I didn't see him play against Germany. I was just checking. He's not really playing with us here. So the question is, you know, do we offload him in the summer? Does he stay on? And, you know, and just... I mean, it's just a lot that he keeps getting called up there. So, I mean, like I said, I, I would not be surprised if he gets loaned to, to a Hungarian team or a team that they played against because he's basically, if he's with that team, there are coaches that are that are with the team that are getting a look at him who, you know, are probably talking to him and say, hey, if you're not getting minutes over there, we can find you minutes over here because clearly the Hungarian team values him. And, and wants to see him, you know, they're calling him up so he gets minutes. So I, I would say I, I think he's a player that, that again, I, th- I believe he's he's probably heading towards a loan is, is what I like to see. It's probably what's best for him. He needs minutes. And if he's not getting with this team, he's not going to get in with North Texas. And I don't definitely don't want to see him go down to the USL championship. I think he's above that level. At least I think he is. I, I'd be disappointed if he's sent to that level. And the other thing I was looking at while you were talking is that uh, the MLS final is November 5th. 
So consider that if, 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 if FC Dallas would make it to the final and play, Jesus could be playing on November 5th, and USA plays England on November 25th. So just the timing of the, the final and the USA's first game. Um, you know, Jose, I mean, I, I mean uh, I'm pretty sure Jesus wants to go to the World Cup fresh and not be run to the ground. So it would be interesting to see. Are you saying, are you, did you say we're making MLS Cup? Is that, I mean, that's, well, that's what I'm getting <laughs> well, at. It's like, Cup of the playoffs. Lead us cup, to MLS cup of the cup, playoffs. And then he's got, even if we don't make, if we don't make the day. Cup, the playoffs going to be a few weeks before that. I don't think Jesus um, would have a problem with that at all. I mean, if you tell Jesus, hey, if you make MLS Cup, you're only going to have X amount of days, I think he would be happy with that, you know? Uh, I think so, we all would be. But, but, but not just that. It's just, you know, watching his minutes throughout the whole year, right? Want to keep his legs fresh toward the end of the year, you know? I mean, they are, I believe it or not, they are giving him rest. I mean, Hara is getting, has gotten a start here and there. He's got, he's, he's gotten minutes. Uh, yeah. And at the end of the day, Jesus is a very young player and, and, and young players, you know, some young players can handle, handle those heavy minutes. It depends on the player. And I think Jesus mm-hmm. has shown in the past that he can handle a lot of minutes. So I'm not concerned with his with his minute with his load, as opposed to say someone like Paxton who's coming off an injury. Those are the players that you can you you concerned with it with a the load on them. But I think Jesus is fine. Um, I, I'm not concerned with that with with his. It's too early for that. <laughs> I said I'm more concerned for, like you said, Ishmael, get another striker here because. There's going to be, you know, times where Jesus maybe gets nicked up and and needs to rest a game or two, just just to, you know, to recover properly. You don't want to be rolling him out there injured. You don't want. Uh, FC Dallas you know, is not the same team with Haro up top. Although Haro's not necessarily a bad option, but he doesn't press like Jose. I mean Jesus and has the legs, right? Yes, but Haro. Hara does seem to be finding his rhythm with his team. He does, he does seem to be finding ways that he can help. And that's a positive sign. He's not the answer behind Jesus, but he's also not a bad option. You're just wondering, hey, he's not going to be able to go the full 90 minutes, so you, you need to have that third option to relieve Hara once his legs eventually give out. So I think he can give you a good 60, 70 minutes. But if Howard's still out there in the 90th minute and you're chasing the game, <laughs> that's that's not a good scenario. Well, let, let's let's begin to wrap the show up. Um, I think I think we've covered that a good a good a good amount of conversation about what that might look like. Of course, I, I think my question for this is not so much our prediction for this game this weekend. I mean, Vancouver, they, they have a good coach, I think. He, he's getting something out of this team. They obviously, um, we can look back at that loss at uh, at Vancouver, disappointing uh, when FC Dallas probably should have at least gotten a point if, if Paz had been available. But uh, they're coming to town. You expect a win. You, you expect a win at home, even against a Vancouver team that's been doing all right. My question is, who breaks out going forward from this match? My answer is Alan Velasco. I think I think he's had time to settle. He's already shown flashes of what he's capable of. 
His parents are here. His family's here. He's going to be a lot more comfortable, a lot more settled. The, the moment is now. He's had a few weeks to, to even just take a breath. I, I'm expecting a big th- big game for him this weekend. Or, or you know, maybe somebody else is going to be having that big game going forward. What do we expect this weekend from FC Dallas? Ishmael? Uh, expect a difficult game because Vancouver actually played last week, so they're not as uh, cold-legged as we are. Also, they had just had a DP come in, a defensive mid-DP, who has, who's been trained. I think he's training this whole week, so he probably will play. Um, and Jesus and Ariel are going to come back tired. So, I mean... It's not going to be an easy game, I don't think. And we lost the last one, so it would be naive to think we would win. I think breakout player, it has to be Velasco. It's not just I think it would be. I think it has to be. Because, I mean, we still have the first-year difficulty um, concept for international signings. But it at this point, uh, now that we know that he's comfortable, he has – his family around him, he has hopefully that cures a little bit of the homesickness. He's now had time to have a break and has been training with the team now. More camaraderie, more chemistry. I think now we it would be great to see better performances and then eventually to put numbers on the board at the rate that Ariola has. Maybe not crazy numbers, but like cons- at least somewhat consistent. But, I mean, I'm just glad for FC Dallas to be back. I'm tired of watching pretty like bad bad international games like Peru versus Australia. I just want some good <laughs> mm-hmm. My god, that game was so boring. Um I, I think I think pointing the direction the arrow to Velasco is the right thing, although I think it may not be his time yet to flourish to become that superstar yet. I'm hoping it is. because uh, you see the flashes. Um, I would just want to see him be more, you know, smart on the field and hold his emotions and not give the silly foul that he gave up, stuff like that. Um, but um, it would not surprise me that we start the game with either Jesus starting and playing just the half or we start the ha- with Har and Jesus comes off the bench. Same thing with Ariola being that they just played all those international games. Uh, something we'll see. With, we'll see how coach handles that. I mean, I, you know, I don't I don't have a guess, but it's something to look, look out for. And I, I always say uh, also O'Brien is, is also clear to watch out for, you know, because I think he, he's got that speed. Um, I'll throw you guys a curveball. My breakout player to look for is Brandon Servania. Okay. Uh, and the reason for that is you got to remember that when we played in Vancouver, they played that, that low mid block. You know, they basically just clogged everything up and dared – FC Dallas to break them down. Uh, now with Velasco back, you're going to have players that can break them down and create opportunities for other people. So I think I think they're going to be wary of Jesus. They're going to be wary of Ariola. They're going to be double-teaming Velasco, and that's going to open up opportunities for Paxton and Cervania. And, and with uh, uh, – Cerillo started in Vancouver, but it's probably going to be uh, – uh, what's his name? Quinone uh, starting. I think 
I think you're going to see Cervania wander forward a lot more with a lot more space than he had available in Vancouver. And and Paxton, I still think, is more of a facilitator than, than a finisher. So I think Cervania is going to get a couple of shots on goal. And if he gets a couple in, I, this is the guy I think you're going to see it's going to open up for. And he's the guy that I'm looking for that I think will have a breakout game against Vancouver. So Cervania right. is my first... Cervania, my first option. Paxton, my second option. Okay. So, but Nathan, to, to not even talking about players, I think one thing to look out for is, you know, the beginning of the year, Nico started out playing defense, not giving up the, the silly goals, and then you see little uh, wrinkles, different wrinkles throughout the year. The question, you know, I think as a fan or, or as a soccer guy um, watching the game Saturday, is what's going to be new on the offensive side? What, what's the new wrinkle that we've never seen before? coaching tactic-wise, and I think uh, that's what I'm most excited about on, on the game on Saturday. What's going to be new tactically? Yeah, good good thought. Good thought new there. Wrinkles. I think something for us to look at because they've had some weeks now to, to put in some things and to work on some mm-hmm. things. So it's exciting. All right, good. Yep. Well, yeah. well, let's let's leave it there. Um, so just a heads up, I'll be international uh, starting on Wednesday. All things going well. Uh, and uh, we'll be on the other side of the continent. So we'll still be going live. We'll still be figuring it out. It may look a little bit different, may not be quite so polished, but we'll, we'll, we'll work on it. And I uh, hope to see you all there uh, next Monday. It may be morning for me, it, whereas <laughs> evening for y'all. So whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. But in the meanwhile, uh, we got a lot of, uh, we got North Texas, we got FC Dallas this weekend. We got a United States Men's National Team tomorrow evening. Plenty of soccer to enjoy and plenty of soccer yes. to talk about next week. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks for thanks for watching. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks, guys. Have a good night.